Addiction took my mother, who was someone I once thought so highly of and thought was the strongest, coolest, you know, best mother and my best friend in the whole world and turned her into someone unrecognizable, someone hateful, um, someone who hurt me quite a lot and unfortunately stole my mother's life. Uh, welcome, guys, back to the It Gets Better podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Adkinson. If you are new, welcome. Uh, I appreciate you being here. If this is not your first time, welcome uh, welcome back. I appreciate you so much and your continued support. Today's episode involves some trigger warnings because it is going to be speaking of addiction, child abuse, violence, and you know, just deep topics. So just a trigger warning for this episode because my goal has with this podcast the name it gets better is supposed to talk to people who may not feel right now like things can get better maybe people who need someone they relate to if they're struggling and sometimes I lose sight of that because as I've gotten to a better place in my life like you I try to almost like disassociate with my past sometimes um but I know that's not what I meant to do I know I meant to talk about it and I do I do struggle to talk about it and I actually think the universe sent me a little message to calm down and start again because I already recorded this episode and I looked over and after recording for 28 minutes my mic was off and maybe it was on purpose because maybe I just needed to get a few of my rants out about my childhood and try and come off a little bit less biased you know because it's normal to hold anger towards your childhood it's normal to have those feelings and I'm sure those feelings are are still going to come up as I re-record this but maybe I got a little bit of it out a little bit of my biased emotion towards the situation and can just speak a little clearer because I found myself rambling like I did in my one of my previous episodes on toxic friendships I was so angry when I was thinking about the friendship that I realized I was rambling and that's not my goal here so I want to be level-headed and centered when I do these episodes so I took a minute to refocus recenter and we're doing it again it's fine so um I was raised by a single mother of three children me and my two brothers, all three of us have different dads, and none of them stayed with my mom, and I know that had to be really tough on her. I cannot imagine what it would be like to be, I don't even know what it's like to be a mother, so I can't imagine, one, being a mother at this age, and I'm 29, about to be 30, and I still feel like a child, so I also can't imagine being a young mother, and not only a young mother, but a single mother of three children, like that. I feel like that's some strength and I do want to always make sure, you know, I remember that about her because when I think back to my early childhood, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and I loved my childhood. I loved my childhood. It's funny looking at it as an adult now, I see the red flags, but I didn't know them when I was a child. My mom did not have a lot of money. She had me around the age of 19 years old, so it kind of felt like we grew up together, but she did whatever she could to give me a good childhood. We lived in a one-bedroom apartment at one point and there was like a little office closet type thing that had like those glass clear doors. You maybe don't know what I'm talking about. You see those in apartments sometimes and so it was a one-bedroom with an office and we didn't have enough for a two-bedroom. So I remember she went above and beyond to make that office the coolest bedroom you could imagine because she wanted, even though she couldn't afford everything, she wanted to give me everything. She wanted my childhood to be special and she was, for all intents and purposes when I was younger, a really good mother. 
when I was eight years old, my mom had my brother, my first brother, and that's when things sort of started to change. I was about eight years old. I think I already said that. Sorry, but um, you know, I'm sure adding a second child to the mix, she would have been like 27, I guess, right? 26. She would have been like 26 having a second child. I'm sure that was tough. I mean, I'm 29, about to be 30 with zero children, and I do not have my shit together. I cannot imagine. I mean, I have my shit kind of together. Let me give myself a little credit, but I don't think I have it together enough to, for me to be a parent right now. You know, I really commend people who do. And so she had added a second child to the mix. And obviously with still being a single mother that added a lot of strain extra financially. Now, a little backstory is my mom was really big into the music scene when I was younger. She, I don't know what the term is called when people hang around outside like the tour buses and kind of wait till after the show. I think the term, someone said the term is groupie. And if that's wrong and I'm saying like something bad, I'm so sorry. I'm not stereotyping. If this is something that you do and it's fun, I don't know. I've never done it. Okay. Um, I just know my mom was like proud she was like if, if, if groupie is a thing if that's the term she was a proud groupie she loved hanging out around um like the tour buses of musicians and because of that she became pretty friendly with people in the scene she started dating someone who drove a tour bus for some very famous musicians like very famous musicians um and that got her big into that scene she hung out with those musicians a lot after their shows with the guy that she was dating as well and all like the the musicians all of that she got to bring home like um, merch for free and stuff after the show but of course along with that scene for a lot of musicians not all um, the ones she specifically hung around it involved a lot of partying my mom got really big into partying I mean she was young you know like so this started probably when I when she was probably like 19 20 21 is probably when it started so I was really young and I would stay with the babysitter so it was you know she was a teenager it's normal to want to party and live your life but then she had my second brother and things got a little tight financially. So because of that, we had to move from Atlanta, Georgia to a small town in Northeast Georgia. I rem- remember vividly coming home from school that day and getting off the school bus and feeling mortified and confused and seeing the bus driver look at me with such sympathy because all of our stuff was on the- was outside on the ground. Our couch, my bed, everything was just sitting out on the sidewalk, like all, all of our belongings. And that was the first time we were ever evicted. So my uncle came and he packed me, my mom and my brother up with whatever we could fit in their vehicle and drove us to my grandparents where we lived for a while. We stayed with them and then eventually got our own place. But obviously things were tighter now. Things had changed. I don't know a lot about my mom's job back then, but I know at one point she was working at like a hospital um, before we moved up to North Georgia. And so once we moved, she struggled to find a job. She worked at Walmart for a while um, and she like hopped around through different jobs. And I think it was also tough having two children keeping a job because she also really couldn't afford childcare all the time. So she was late sometimes and also combined the fact that she would still go out and she would drive to Atlanta, which was like two hours away to party. Um, You know, she struggled a lot. And I think what happened is my mom slowly started to resent me and um, they call it, I heard this uh, this term recently on TikTok called elder daughter syndrome or eldest daughter syndrome. I feel like it's probably eldest child syndrome where they say often in a traumatic household, the eldest daughter, but again, I say eldest child becomes the emotional support child of the parent who is struggling with their mental health. And something to know is that I have had multiple psychologists and psychiatrists, like my own psychiatrist told me that most likely my mom had undiagnosed bipolar disorder. And that combined with the heavy drug and alcohol use is what led to, you know, the way 
she was. Um, but my mom was very anti mental health. So, you know, she never really cared to get it checked. And not to mention my mom also had her own traumatic past that I won't go too much into because I don't, I don't know the full story, but my mom does not know, uh, her biological mother. The grandmother that I know is my mom's stepmother. Um, and I also know that at one point in my mom's life, I don't know if it was because of her biological mother or what, I just know that at one point my mom was also in foster care for a few years. So, you know, I know my mom has had her own struggle, so I try to always, you know, remember that and remember that she's been through stuff as well. We don't become, people don't become addicts, like at least my mom specifically didn't become an addict because she just wanted to ruin her life. You know, she didn't want to, I don't think she ever wanted to be mean to her children. I think she started to lean heavily on alcohol and then eventually drugs and mainly only drugs towards the end was because she wanted to numb because she didn't want to feel things because she felt guilty I think for her life and how her life was going but um when we moved to North Georgia things that's when they kind of started to get worse things were not great financially she struggled to keep a job and then she had um, my other brother my youngest brother and that is when obviously things are going to be even harder and she's now a single mother of three children three children and I cannot imagine the stress that puts on people but unfortunately it seems I'm, I'm trying to, I think I'm trying too hard to be nice and I'm like I'm just gonna let myself speak because I don't want to be angry like I was in the last episode but I also don't want to be like but unfortunately then she hit me like <laughs> just, just it's not funny hitting someone is not funny I'm just saying like the way I'm coping is I'm trying to talk about this like it's not with me and like I have no emotion towards it I've got to be honest okay so it just led to a really tough time because my mom had my youngest brother and that changed a lot she was no longer able to party she couldn't go to do the stuff with the musicians she used to do and her partying it's like she should have stopped but instead it's like her partying got worse and worse and worse and but it was like she was no longer going to hang out with the musicians now she was partying at the house she was having tons of people over and I could slowly you could kind of tell that it was changing it was no longer just people coming over and drinking it was like all of a sudden people getting really high and crazy different people coming over every single different night and my mom going from just kind of changing who she was fundamentally and starting to notice the change within her where she would go from being a great mother some days the type of mother that I remember at 11 p.m after a shift one night she came home on my birthday and helped me redecorate my room because that's what I wanted to do and we like watched Gilmore Girls all the next day and ate Ben and Jerry's to then there being times when she was started to lock herself in her room days on end I think it's because she was coming down off of whatever she was the drugs she was taking and and also felt like my mom just slowly like the elder daughter the whole eldest daughter syndrome I think was so real in my in our household because my mom started to resent her children I think she started to resent her life she started to be angry that she couldn't do the things she wanted to do afford the things she wanted to afford and it went from her trying to give her kids her all to her starting to feel like we were taking everything from her and I do feel like I got the brunt of it because I was the oldest and it went from hearing my mom tell me I was the best thing that ever happened to her when I was young when I was little she would tell me I was that she was not mad that she had a kid young she always be like you're the best thing that ever happened to me you changed my life I love you you're my best friend to then her telling me I hate you so much I would do anything to go back in time and not have you if I hadn't had you your brother's life would lives would be so much easier because I had you so young. I had your brothers at a normal age. I would have been a normal parent. If I hadn't had you, I probably would have met, date, stayed with X, Y, and Z, some guy she had been dating before. She had like a, whatever happened with my dad, my biological father. And 
she began to resent me a lot. And that led to a lot of violence in my life. My mom became very angry with me. She would lash out at me, sometimes for seemingly nothing. It kind of felt like nothing I did when I was around the age of like 12 to 15. Nothing I did was right. I think that's when she was struggling the most because she had my youngest brother when I was 12. So when she was struggling the most, I really just became the person that she she took it out on every single I remember I would I would sometimes stay up all night and clean the house and hope that she'd like wake up in the morning just being in a good mood and like that she'd say she loved me and then it would instead be like oh my god I can't stand you Lindsay it would be like I effing hate you and what do you want from me like why are you doing this what do you, what is it that you want what do you need what do you need from me like she nothing could ever satisfy her and that escalated into physical violence there was a time when my mom pushed me down a flight of stairs when I was younger because it was over like this Halloween candy incident and my mom cried after the first time swore that it would never happen again and she was so sorry and she was so ashamed but then there was another night when I was hanging out with a friend and she needed me to come home because she wanted to go hang out with some friends and she needed me to come home and watch my brothers because they weren't old enough to be alone and the friend that I was staying with her mom was like we can't drive you home it's 11 p.m and my mom was mad about that so she drove and got me and when we got home she put her hand around my throat 20 minutes later when I remember her eyes were so wide her face was so red like now as an adult like I realized that she was on drugs but at the at that time I just thought like oh my mom hates me like she must really hate me because I remember her pupils were massive and her voice was it's like her voice would almost become different it was like this I hate to say monster but it was almost like the drugs turned my mom into a monster like I I was so terrified at her voice the way it would sound when she was like this when she was in these like rages and I remember 20 minutes after it happened my mom was getting dressed to go hang out with her friend. She was in a great mood. She was listening mu- listening to music. And as she left the, went out the door, she's like, you're the best daughter ever. Thank you for watching your brothers for me. Like after she had literally just put her hands around my throat. I remember once my mom dropped me off for school and I gave it was the first time well, I guess we'll get to the, I'll just tell you I'm already saying it. There was a time when I switched schools because I was getting in trouble a lot. Um, and my mom was dropping me off at my new school and I was supposed to know the directions I was like 15 or 14 going to this new school I didn't know and I gave her a wrong turn a small wrong turn we found it like 10 minutes later um and my mom punched me in the stomach I remember she texted me an hour later or maybe 20 minutes later while I'm sitting at school telling me how sorry she was that she would do that to me before I could start a new school and that she hoped I had an amazing day and I was how beautiful I was even though two minutes before that she was telling me how disgusting I made her feel and it just my childhood became this hot and cold and that has weighed on me my whole life. I, that has weighed on me for life. I've constantly felt like I caused people to be angry. I caused people to be mean. Like it must've been my fault. And I became very self-deprecating. I had zero self-worth and I always just held on to that different version of my mom. And that's the hard part is people will come into my life and they'll hear about my mom or they'll know certain things. I've had friends that walked in on it happening that seen had, you know, seen things happening. Um, and they'll be like, I hate your mom. Like I've had a guy from college once who saw um, my mom doing something and had, you know, had saw her like hurting me basically and was like, I hate your mom so much. And he saw a bruise on me later. He's like, I literally hate her. I don't know how you could be, could say that. I, it would make me feel offended. And I think it's one of those things where you don't, understand it until you've seen you've been around addiction and that's what I think there's such a tough conversation because people see others that are addicted and they're like the conversation is just like as if they're worthless as if their life is means nothing and I think because I held on to that version of my mom that loved me so much I'm like I don't know and maybe I messed up maybe maybe not only did the addiction steal my mother's life but maybe it messed me up too because I still defend her 
I still go to bat for her. I still wish I could just know if she actually loved me. That's the truth. I wish I knew if my mom actually loved me or if she actually felt like it was my fault that she turned to drugs. And that sucks. That sucks. And that's what addiction does. It not only hurts the person that is using, it hurts everyone that person is around. And things just kept getting worse. I'm going to do an episode soon about my kidnapping story. You know, someone in my family tried to kidnap me from my mom and the police got involved and the police didn't, they didn't believe me in the end. People should believe children. That's a whole nother topic for another day. I'll do that sort video soon, not video, do that podcast episode soon. Um, But that just made things worse with my mom because then all of a sudden the rest of my mom's family wanted nothing to do with her. They were like, we can't be around her. She's toxic. She's mean. She's angry. And my mom blamed me for that. So it's just things got worse and worse and worse. And this obviously led me down into a bad path myself. I experimented with drugs at a young age. I experimented with alcohol. I'm also going to do an entire episode on why I don't drink or anything like that and why I don't mess around with any substances now. Um, not someone who shames that stuff, but like, you know, you'll. Ex- I think it's understandable given my experiences. But and I also just don't trust myself with those things because I quickly noticed that I, I, I don't know, it's, that's a whole other topic for another day. I guess I won't get, won't get into it, but it's so tough because I always saw my mom as this villain because of that. I really did. I saw her as a villain. And as you know, there's a time, I guess you might not know if you haven't listened. I got to stop talking to as if every person listening has heard of me before. <laughs> but if you didn't know... um. I moved away, moved out of state, moved very far away, and my mom eventually came to visit me. I had her come visit years later, and I had to cut her out of my life because the drugs completely changed the way she was in person. I had I experienced it again in person. After years of healing and changing, I flew my mother and my brothers to come visit me, and it was just like it used to be. She was abusive. She was mean. She was spiteful. And it wasn't that the whole, the first three days were magical. They were magical. We, I took them all to Universal. We rode rides together. My mom knew I was afraid of rides. So she rode all the kid rides with me. We stayed up late and we got, we like, you know, gossiped about life. And I remember her telling me how much she missed me. And we cried that night and hugged each other. And it was beautiful. But obviously she couldn't bring the drugs with her. So towards the end of the trip, she's withdrawing a lot. She's struggling. She's stressing. She snapped. And I watched my mom turn right back into that version of her that I was so scared of when I was younger. The version that I would lock myself in my room away from. The version of her that stumbled around the house spewing whatever hate she could just to try and make herself feel better. You know, the version of her that got violent. And... I think because I was older, it was the first time I could ever see it clearly and realize, oh, she is not a monster. She's fragile. I could see for the first time when she snapped in my, in, in my own space when I was no longer the child. I mean, it's still her child, but I was no longer a child watching it. I think I was like 24, 25 when this happened. I think I was 25. Um, I could tell how fragile she was. I was like, oh, she's a hurting person who doesn't, she's like a child. She was like a little child who was hurting so much and just did not know how to act. So instead they throw a a tantrum, but her tantrums hurt people. So that was a time when I cut my mom out of my life for two years. And unfortunately that was the last time I ever saw my mom ever because my mom continued to get worse and worse. There had been times before that when I'd gone back to visit 
my mom at home and every single time I just saw how bad it had gotten her house went from being a normal home to having ripped up floors to having um no floors literally at all and she was constantly saying that she was going to get new floors and then I found out she was like selling them I don't know if she was selling the wood in her floors for I don't really understand it there was a time when I gave her six hundred dollars for her to get new floors and she never got them and even though I gave her the money she then turned around and told me how much she hated me because I didn't give her enough so I gave her more money for these floors because I was so I felt I was so afraid of her still I left home and was still so afraid of her so I gave her way more money than I should have and I went to visit her at the end of the year for Christmas and there were no floors she still was living in a a house where they had ripped up the floors and yeah I don't know it's tough because addiction it's a scary thing and I wish I had some resolution here of like oh well you can do this but I don't but I do know that addiction messes up way more than just that one person because hearing myself now like I know how tough this is for me to talk about you know but at the same time it's like I want to talk about it it's like it takes up a lot of space in my brain and there's a TikTok I saw the other day of like this woman saying why do people cut out their parents like how can you do that and I'm like if you don't know why someone could would cut their parents out, like, I'm so happy for you. Like, I genuinely am so happy for someone who would not understand that. But that doesn't take away my experience. Like, you have to understand that if you don't know why someone could do that, it's because you haven't experienced something that painful. And I think people hear that I cut my mom out of my life and they are like, how could you do that? How could you do that? But never like, how could my mom do that to me as a child? How could she hurt me so many times as a child? Like, why is it never about the child? Why is it always, how could you do that, do that to your mother? But what about me? I was a child who wanted to be protected by my mother and she wasn't protecting me, so I had to protect myself. If no one else was going to take care of me, I had to take care of me. Someone had to do it. Someone had to step up to the plate and be the parent. I had to be the parent of myself. My therapist once told me that there's a theory that people stop emotionally aging when they start messing around with hard drugs. My mom, I told you, was like a child who would throw tantrums, except for those tantrums involved hitting and punching and scratching and breaking doors. I watched her hit multiple people, not just me, boyfriends. I watched her throw bottles at them, slam doors on them. I watched her tell everyone how effing, how much she effing hated them and like called them the worst word you could possibly think. I watched her lie on people and manipulate and steal all for her addiction. You know, and it's like, it makes sense to me that she possibly stopped maturing at a young age there's a book I want to read it's like uh for it's something about a book about for children of emotionally immature parents I feel like I should read it because she was very emotionally immature I'm not afraid to say that that's just the truth and I had gotten to a point where I was I was more mature than my mother because she wasn't maturing because she the way she was acting was very you know it was clouded by her addiction so I had to parent myself and if that involved cutting someone out of my life that's what I had to do if you watched your young, younger sibling or your child get bullied all day long from some kid, you'd be like, stay the heck away from that person. Stick up for yourself and do not stay around them. So why is it different when it's, I'm getting bullied by my mom? You know, it shouldn't be that way. It should be, we should be so much more empathetic towards children. It's not like I didn't try to help. I tried so much to get my mom to go to therapy, to get diagnosed, to go to rehab. I paid for those things sometimes and it never happened. Like it wasn't, Like, I happily stopped talking to my mom. It was excruciating. Just like everyone else, 
I wanted my mother. When I had breakups, I wanted my mom. When you don't know how to cook something, you want to call your mom. Your dishwasher's broken, you want to call your mom. Figuring out what kind of laundry detergent to use, you want to call your mom. Walking home late at night and you're a little scared, you want to call your mom. Just want to catch up on life, you want to call your mom. I never... I never got that. Even while she was here in my life, I never got that. Sometimes I did. But I stopped allowing myself to have that because I was so afraid of the person, the version of her I would get. Even when I moved, I was so afraid to talk to her because I was, so, I, every time that something good would happen, if we would get off the phone on like a good note when I, after I'd moved, I would be so afraid to call her for a while because I wanted to keep that version of her in my mind. I wanted to hold on to that version. And I know there's a good version, there was a good version of her in there because I saw it, you know, I saw those pieces and that's going to be something I go into a lot more in my book when I write it or when I finish writing it. Um, It's just been hard, you know, with everything that's happened with my mom, it's been hard for me to finish it now, but I'm going to get to it. I just need to, I need some time. I think I need some space from it, you know, like obviously I'm talking about it now, but it's not something I talk about a lot like I used to. And I think I need some space, Um, especially after this episode, I'm probably going to give myself some time before I go into this topic again, you know? And I forgot what I was just saying, but I don't know. It's a tough topic. You know, it's, it's tough. Um, I forgot what I was saying. Oh, but I'll, I mean, I'll just go back into something. I would watch my mom slowly deteriorate too, you know, it's like, oh, I was saying how much I wanted my, wanted my mom and I would hold on to those things. Um, I would hold on to those things because you never, I never knew if I called her again, how it was going to be. And at the same time, I remember every time I'd visit, like, not just watching her house deteriorate, I was watching her deteriorate. I was watching her do insane things to herself that were clearly not healthy. I was watching her hair fall out. I was watching that she was losing her teeth. I started, she started to become someone I didn't recognize. Like, you see pictures of people that say, like, don't do drugs, and it'll show, like, before and afters. And when I was growing up with her, I never noticed, you know, because I saw her every day. And once I moved away and came back, I was like, oh my gosh oh my gosh, like I could visibly see what it was happening to her. And I think I had this vision in my head that one day my mom would wake up and be like, oh, I want to change my life. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to go to rehab. I'm going to get clean. I'm going to become a great mother. I'm going to become a great person that loves myself and I'm going to get a job and I'm going to do things that I love and I'm going to learn how to love life again and I'm not going to be around boyfriends that hit me and I'm not going to have friends that you know sell me drugs anymore and I'm not going to sell other people drugs and I'm not going to buy them and I'm going to just going to change my fucking life you know I wanted so badly for that for my mom like that's what I wanted when I wrote my book I think the reason I couldn't finish it for so long is because I was waiting for my fairy tale ending and my fairy tale ending wasn't Noah coming to find me Noah is my best friend. No, it really was that tr- truly was my fairy tale ending. But like, I wanted my fairy tale ending to be my mom running up to get me and embracing me and apologizing and becoming that version of me that I remember the version of her I remember when I was a child. But unfortunately, life isn't a book, you know. And so I did cut my mom out of my life for two years. It was excruciating. It was not easy. People will continuously say to me all the time, how could you do that with your mother? I had someone who DM me once and say, I have no sympathy for anything you've gone through. How could you do that to your own mother? Even though my mom had physically put her hands on me, had told me she hated me, like like, continuously, no sympathy for, you have all the sympathy for my abuser, but not for me. If it had been 
a boyfriend that did all those things to me nobody would be like I have no sympathy for you but all the sympathy for your abuser no one we have to stop that cycle because the longer we do that we hold no sympathy for the child the harder it is for the child to feel validated and to accept the fact that what they went through was shit and that they deserve to be upset and they deserve to fight for something new because if you continue to tell the child it was their fault and that they're wrong for isolating from their parent or for getting away from their abuser the more that you are validating to them that they that they somehow deserved it or that it was their fault or they're to blame which is incorrect and you know it's incorrect everyone who has ever blamed for someone for that they are probably realizing right now oh yeah good point every single time someone said how could you do that to your mom it made me second guess whether or not maybe it was my fault maybe I was to blame for my mom's abuse maybe or my mom abusing me maybe it was my fault and it led to a cycle of me hating myself and me wanting to numb with drugs and alcohol we stop the cycle of abuse by letting people letting people acknowledge the fact that they were abused, not shaming them for getting away from their abusers, no matter who it is. I shied away from the topic of motherhood for a long time. People ask me if I want kids, and I finally realized, I admitted it to Noah the other day, it's not that I don't want kids. I was so afraid to be a mother because for so long I was so ashamed of what happened to me, and I didn't let myself heal from it that I was afraid I would do the same thing to my child. And now that I've healed and I've gone through therapy, I realize I would never in my life, I, I think it makes me angrier now as an adult to imagine someone doing the things that my mom did to me or to my brothers. Because I could never look at a child and tell them I hated them. Not just my child, any child. I could never put my hands on a child. I could never hurt someone the way my mom hurt me. And yet somehow I still have forgiven her. Obviously I'm still angry. I'm obviously still angry. I wish I wasn't. <laughs> it takes up a lot of mental space. Um, this is kind of a rambly, ranty episode, isn't it? It wasn't my goal. I tried to, you know, when I had to redo it, I tried to get better, but such is human emotion. <laughs> um, let's continue, though. So let me stop my rambling. Um, I cut my mom out of my life for two years. At the end of those two years, um, I was in therapy. I did reach out to my mom. I wrote her a letter. And I told her that I wanted to try and have a relationship with her, but I would no longer accept her verbal abuse, physical abuse, obviously, but not even on the phone. I was like, you weren't even allowed to scream at me and cuss at me. I want to have healthy communication with you. We can argue if you want, but you can't, don't scream at me. Don't cuss. Don't go to blame the blame game and calling me names. Let's just try and have a civil conversation. And for the first time ever, my mom wrote back um and she apologized and I actually still have it and basically told me how she felt so bad that she had been such a horrible mother and that all that she knows that she wasn't a good mother and she hated living like that she hated living with herself and just wished she could have been a better parent and she basically told me she was so proud of me for getting away and that was probably one of the most healing moments of my life because even though I see my mom and I know the truth is that she was my abuser and I can own up to that. I also still see her as my mother. Whereas, you know, that's, it's a tough thing to deal with. You know, it's like that polarity of loving her and also being scared of her. Um, but because of that letter, I think we were able to have a bit of a conversation, a bit of a relationship that we were able to build for a while. We kept to letters and to texting and to uh, talking over like Facebook Messenger and Finally, after a while of that, 
I was like, you know what? I am going to let her come out here. My Noah actually thought it was a horrible idea. Noah was like, because he was around her before and he, he said he was traumatized by my mom and was like, I don't really think it's a good idea to let her back in our lives. But I was going to fly um, my brothers and my mom out her, here again. And um, the day before I was supposed to fly them out, my mom passed away. Literally the day before I was supposed to see her. So the last time I saw her was before I cut her out of my life. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's it's tough because they let me know that she brought herself to the hospital. She was having a lot of chest pains. Um, you know, she was struggling, obviously, with withdrawals when they, they had to put her into a... I guess they had to put her in, like, a self-induced coma or, like, a, they induced it or something. And I remember they said that she fought really hard and they had to restrain her. And that is like nightmares to me because she's still my mom. And I don't want to see her think about her being in pain. Um, and there's a lot of different st- stories of what it is. But ultimately, while she was in the hospital, she did develop pneumonia. And then she also had, um, I think what she actually, they found out what she had was, what is it called? Staph? It's like a staph infection. But it was like in her blood, um, which the doctor said that's basically pretty commonly um, with drug users. It's from dirty needles. Um, so you can put two and two together and the staph infection had like traveled to her heart and they ultimately just said that she, her body was too weak and it just couldn't, you know, she hadn't taken care of herself and the staph infection alone was bad, but because of that, her body was immune system was so low that it couldn't even fight the pneumonia off. And when they took her off the coma, she passed away. I was not there when she passed. I do regret that sometimes. Part of me doesn't know if I'd want to know what she looked like at the end. Because I think I'll always just see her as my mom when I was a kid. I think I'll always see her as the mom that loved me. And read me bedtime stories and helped me decorate my room. And held me for my first boy, uh, my first breakup. You know, I don't want to remember her as the mom that hurt me. Because obviously those stories, when I say them out loud, I'm sure you're like, oh my gosh, those are terrifying. But they weren't every day. That's the thing. Even on drugs, she was probably pretty nice. It was probably when she was not on the drugs, when she was coming off of them, that it was what made her not be so nice. You know? So it's like I still have so many good memories. And for so long, they, they all the good ones were so clouded by the bad ones that I couldn't remember the good ones. But now that she's passed, it's like all my brain wants to do is remember the good ones. That's all I want. And I think her passing, if anything, reminded me more than ever how fragile she was. And that addiction did not turn her into a monster. It, it turned her into a really sad person that I really pitied, actually. And I really feel bad for that she never saw her own potential. She never saw how beautiful she was. She never saw how much her children loved her. She never realized how many people just wanted her to get better. And ultimately, her life was gone. You know, addiction took my mom's life. And obviously, there's back and forth with my family. Some people be like, yeah, but ultimately she died from pneumonia. And then doctors being like, yeah, but the staph infection. And they're like, yeah, but what? Is-? And it's like there's a lot of arguments with amongst people in my family. And I think that's part of the problem is, okay, yes, but if she hadn't had dirty needles, she wouldn't have been in the hospital to begin with. And I think... We've got to stop ignoring it because for a long time, people wanted to ignore my mom's addiction. They want, you know, people are embarrassed, but we can't ignore it because it's, it's a human. 
And the topic should be talked about because people need help. It's a disease. It's a disease that took my mom and made her someone that I can't, I don't know. And it's sad. It's really sad. If you're someone who struggles with addiction, like, I feel for you. If you're someone who is around someone who struggles with addiction, I feel for you. Unfortunately, addiction, it runs deep in my family. I have lost quite a few family members to addiction. I remember the first time I talked to my psychiatrist before being diagnosed with PTSD and I told her about all the people in my family who had died and she said, Lindsay, she was like, Lindsay, that's a lot of grief. That's a lot of grief for someone to deal with at a young age and I, I didn't realize for so long it's not normal. It's not normal for people in their family to just lose aunts and cousins and cousins and uncles and their mom and other people because of drugs. Friends, friends I went to high school with, I didn't know it, it wasn't that normal because that was what, that's what I knew. I thought it was just part of it. And I don't want that. I don't want that for anyone. You know, so I think it should be talked about more. Obviously, I don't know what that does for me now just saying that. But yeah, that's kind of my story. I know I talk about my mom here and there. I used to talk about it a lot more. Um, If you've ever been curious, that's the story. (sighs) I'm gonna go take a break now because my heart is racing and I'm sad and I'm probably gonna go cry. (laughs) It's okay. Um, I love you so much. Thank you for listening. Sorry if there wasn't a lot of insight or like, you know, a happy conclusion in this episode, but I hope if it helps anyone, if they're struggling and they feel alone, um, you're not alone. I'm here for you. If you need some extra support, not trying to like, you know, drop a paid thing, but um, I do have my membership, itgetsbetter.mn.co. Um, the first month is free anyway, so even if you just want to join for a free month, I don't care, um, where we all sit and chat and we are there for each other if you need a community of people. It's always linked down below. Um, and also my DMs are always open if you just want to chat. So I love you very much and thank you so much for listening and I will see you next Tuesday. Bye.